Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Thinking Sideways is not supported by Netscape Navigator. Instead, it's supported by the generous donations of our listeners on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinking sideways to learn more. And thanks. Thinking Sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hey there. Welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I'm Joe, joined as always by Steve and Devin. Hey. So, this week we've got to talk about a groovy mystery. This is the uh, mysterious death of Morgan Ingram in December 2011. Uh, and by the way, before we go any further, this was suggested by our listener, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. Uh, yeah. 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 Fun little mystery. This is actually uh, kind of big on the internet. I don't know if you guys have noticed that or not. Oh, just a little bit. Yeah. I've yeah. actually, yeah, this has been one that's interested me for uh, quite some time, actually, but mm-hmm. we've been kind of waiting for the five-year thing. Morgan was only 20 years old when she died, but the county coroner initially ruled her death to be from natural causes, which was pulmonary edema caused by acute intermittent porphyria. And if you don't know what that means, I don't know either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The reason I didn't really research porphyria, um, edema by the pulmonary edema is when your lungs fill with fluid. Or the, the sacs around your heart do as yeah, well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but as far as, as far as the link between those two, I didn't bother because they revised uh, the cause of death later to suicide by drug overdose. Well, yeah. yeah. Porphyria so, is really, really, really rare too. It is. It is. Yeah, and... it is. But it does appear that she was being treated for it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's a reasonable conclusion. 
Uh, well, first, a quick introduction to the Ingram family. Uh, Morgan Ingram, our, our victim here, was 20 years old, uh, and she was living with her parents, Steve and Tony Ingram. Uh, she had a brother, Ryan, who wasn't living at home at the time. Steve and Tony Ingram also had a grandson whose name was Jared. Uh, and the reason I mentioned Jared is he has a little small part in this in this mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ingrams lived in a three-bedroom house on a cul-de-sac called Coral Drive in Carbondale, Colorado. And Jared was the brother's, Ryan's son, I, right? I believe so, Not yeah. Morgan's. No, no, no. Yeah. No, I mean... Just uh, to clarify. He was, yeah, I mean, yeah, she was only 20. I mean, my God. Uh, so anyway, um, Carbondale, Colorado, they were kind of out in the sticks. They were they were not right in the, the town. No. They were, they were out in the country. It's well, kind of rural estates is what I would, yeah. would call it, or a... Um... Rural suburb. Yeah, yeah. It actually looks. If you look at the uh, look at the aerial of it, mm-hmm. their, their little cul-de-sac is this little is this little subdivision development out kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And then there's some other houses around it, but everything's really spread out. Yeah, I mean, I there's know. fields it, in the middle of things. Yeah, I know. I see. It looks like that area. There, there were coral. Drive is right off Equestrian Avenue, and it looks like there were plans for maybe bigger, bigger developments out there. And that's how they make them usually. It hasn't really, it hasn't really happened yet. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it will eventually. Yeah. You know, actually, uh, this mystery is pretty thin, and my script originally was only a page and a half long. So I went out to the Carbondale, Colorado Chamber of Commerce webpage. And I cut and pasted everything from there into this script. So We're let's just going to do a dramatic, dramatic reading of Carbondale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, first, let's start with the new Safeway. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm just kidding. Uh, let's back to Morgan. Uh, uh, Morgan Ingram's family does not accept the coroner's ruling. Uh, they believe that Morgan was murdered. The reason they think so is Morgan was stalked by an unknown person or persons for about four months before her death. Uh, These incidents began in August 2011, and they continued right up until Morgan's death in December. She died on December 2nd, uh, and they include tapping on her bedroom window, scratching on the window, throwing small rocks at the window, following her car at least once, if not twice, and another scary incident. It was early morning, still dark. Uh, Morgan had recently gotten a puppy. And by the way, I've seen pictures of the puppy. Super cute puppy. Very very cute. cute. Yeah, very cute. Uh, the puppy needed to go outside to do a little business. I'm not sure what. Uh, and the family was a little on edge because of all the incidents that had taken place. And Morgan's mother, Tony, had suggested that if she needed to let the puppy out after dark, she should stand in the doorway and just let the leash out as far as it could go, and the puppy could do his thing. And why, why, how did she describe it? She said, and then you could just reel the puppy in if something yeah. happens. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so on the morning... Puppy on! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the morning of October 27th, it was uh, it was early, so it was still dark outside. Morgan was standing in the doorway doing that. She glanced to her left, and she saw a man dressed entirely in black standing in their neighbor's yard just past a low fence about three feet tall. And needless to say, she did reel the puppy in, mm-hmm. uh, probably leaving a trail of urine. And... Well, not probably, still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've read the report, and um, yeah. Tony says that he was still urinating. Uh-huh, poor puppy. I don't know what that's like being drugged along with you. Well, I don't want to find out. Uh, she got herself inside the house. And uh, the puppy. And the puppy, yeah. But uh, that was a, it was scary. That would, I mean, that would scare me. Yeah. I would I'm imagine, afraid. yeah. Even if I wasn't super, super on edge, I think if I looked up and saw somebody staring at me in all dark while it was dark yeah, in, out. In black, you know. And, yeah, I would... That would scare me. I don't know. I, I would just pull up my jammy and open fire. Yeah. That's because yeah. you're a man. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Uh, back on the back to the, the stocking incidents began in early August, uh, and after that, the Ingrams started installing those outdoor lights that had the motion detectors. You know the ones I'm talking about. Yep. Mm-hmm. And also cameras with like wildlife cameras that have motion detectors, uh, and um, the lights were going off quite often, which indicates either they had intruders on the property, or maybe they had the sensitivity set too high on their motion detectors, or they were pointing them at trees, which, which have branches that move. Yeah, that could be. That's possible too. Yeah, I remember there are lights going off a lot. We had those, we had once, you know, on the garage, one light. Yeah. I remember that going off a lot when it, when it was like snowing mm-hmm. or if it was raining too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were in Colorado and it was winter yeah. when it was rainy and then for a bit and then snowing. Yeah. I tell you this, there's one thing that about these things is when you have a neighbor that has one, it's pointed towards your bedroom window. Oh, <laughs> that's the, the worst. worst. Yeah. Well, that's why I know about the one that we had because it was pointed kind of indirectly at my bedroom window. No, I, yeah, I had one of those years ago and, um, and yeah, it was coming on all the time when I was trying to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually the problem got solved itself. Somebody apparently shot it out with a 22 pellet pistol. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody. I don't know who, but yeah. yeah somebody so they had the They had the lights and then they also had the cameras. Yeah, the cameras. Uh, yeah. And their cameras would occasionally catch a little video of somebody in the driveway or the yard, but the video was never good enough to actually identify anybody. So the cameras weren't doing them a lot of good. There was another interesting incident that happened in daylight. Steve and Tony, that's Steve and Tony Ingram, mom and dad, were talking in the foyer of their house. And Steve had his back to the front door, and Tony was facing the front door. And apparently there were windows on either side of the front door in the house. Yeah, that's kind of a common design. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Of those yeah. prefab houses, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she saw a person with a white long sleeve shirt go dashing across their driveway through the windows. And... And then turned around and went around the corner and, and between their house and their neighbor's house to the north. And then she said something to Steve, and, and Steve ran to the back of the house where they had these sliding glass doors to try to try to see who it was and maybe go out and even catch him. And whoever it was was gone. So another disturbing incident. incident. Uh, and there were all kinds of incidents. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna list. There's every too many to go through every There's one of them. There's 220 oh, yeah. pages worth of them. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. You can mm-hmm. find it online. Uh, those are like police reports. So, yeah. Yeah. The local police. Yeah. The the uh, the Ingrams kept the local cops kind of busy. They went out there a lot. But there was a pivotal moment on the morning of September 1st, 2011. Uh, Morgan was home alone when she heard somebody working the keypad on the front door. And they had they had electronic locks on both the front and the back doors, you know. The, and you guys all, I'm sure, know what those are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You enter the the electronic key, the five or six yeah. or eight digit yeah. pin, and it unlocks. Yeah. Well, when she heard that, she thought it was her mother coming home because her mother had just left to go on a, a run to the bank. But the buttons kept getting pushed, and the door wouldn't open. So Morgan realized it might be the stalker. And now I don't want to question Morgan's judgment, but to me, this seems like a great time to grab a baseball bat and go answer the front door. Don't you think? Or even just walk to the front door and look out the window to see who it is. That might not have been a bad that, idea. That yes, this whole baseball thing, no. Well, and I'm gonna. This may end up being one of those episodes where I have to constantly remind you that as a small woman, that's actually a very bad idea. Mm-hmm. But I will continue to remind you of that yeah, at no. every turn. I, I can. T- I totally see. Though we just talked about the fact that there's windows by mm-hmm. the front door. Yeah, you may as well go look. Just go look. Oh, okay. It lo- oh, look. It's the neighborhood drunk. He's at the wrong house again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, true that. Or I- finally, I have a description of what this stalker looks like because up until now, I've been able to only say it's an unidentified identified person yeah yeah this doesn't make sense for you know a lot of reasons well but but on the other hand i'm gonna do this a lot in this episode again 
fair warning. On the other hand, I can see, you know, I remember being younger and certainly this is maybe in my earlier teenage years than like in my early 20s. But I can remember being so scared. Sometimes fear just takes hold Mm -hmm. and you think, I don't want him to know that I'm in here. I don't want anybody to know that I'm in here. I'm just going to hole up and maybe they'll just go away. Mm -hmm. If I just ignore it, it'll just go away and it won't be a problem. And then it will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that, um, you know, this, uh, this again, I'm not, you know, obviously I wasn't there. Uh, As far as I know, Morgan never reported this directly to the police. This came from her mother, Tony. I think we need to clarify now that none of almost none of this reporting at least the um the initial calls to the police mm-hmm. were done by Tony. Yeah. They were. Her her mother always was one that if the cops showed up got the cops there and then eventually they would talk to her. It should also be noted that almost all of the contact with the police was not was neither on the 911 line or the non-emergency line. It was through calling people that Tony had contact with in the police department. It was very rarely a dispatch. Yeah, but she did call dispatch. But she also communicated a lot via email. Yeah, she communicated a lot via text, phone call, and email with the the police. Yeah, so back to our story here. Whoever that was at the front door, he got away uh, unseen. When Tony got back, she called the sheriff's department. They sent somebody over. Uh, the deputy's name was Chris Yance. I think that's how it's pronounced. Chris, if you're listening, you know, let me know if I pronounced it right or not. Uh, he noticed a footprint in the dirt under a bathroom window. Uh, there's three bathrooms in that house that have windows. Of the total four. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got a lot of bathrooms in that it's house. It's a big house. Yeah. It's 2,500 square foot house. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. decent sized. Yeah. Uh, so there were three of them, but I'm not sure which one it was, but there was a footprint. Uh, later that afternoon, the Ingram's grandson, Jared, who I mentioned earlier, and I'm not sure, he's, he was a kid, apparently, like, you know, I'm not sure exactly how old, 10, 15, 16, I don't know. But uh, he came over to the house, uh, he saw the footprint, and he'd said that it looked to him like it was the sole of an Etni shoe. And I don't know how he managed to do that, but he's... Uh, it's not that hard. I mean, some that. shoes have very distinct... Well, maybe he had Etnies himself, you know, that's maybe... Of course, maybe it was his footprint, too. I don't know. But uh, Jared was later, not long after that, standing out by the street, and he noticed a neighbor driving by. The neighbor was Keenan Van Ginkle, who lived at the end of the cul-de-sac at 123 Coral Drive. Kind uh, of. He yeah, kind of lived there. Yeah. He lived with his girlfriend. He had moved in with his girlfriend. He, he wasn't there. I think he moved in in June, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was out. He was there for maybe three or four months. Yeah, he wasn't know? there very long. No, yeah. not really. The, the house was owned by a guy named Jim, Jim Harris. His daughter, Brooke Harris, was Keenan's girlfriend. Uh, so Jared hustled over to Keenan's house when he was getting out of his car to ask him if he wanted his lawn mode. But his real motive, he said, was to look at Keenan's shoes. And he, he came back and reported that they looked exactly like purple etnies. Uh, why he originally suspected Keenan, I don't know. Maybe he just decided to go around and look at everybody in the neighborhood's shoes, you know, until he found some etnies. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. They The, the family seemed to be convinced and again I, I as you said i wasn't there and i don't want to anybody to think that i'm casting any negative information on the family but they seem to be grasping for somebody on their street mm-hmm. to be the responsible party well you know and i can sort of see that because on the one you know on the one hand it'd be inconvenient if you're going to stalk somebody to have to commute out to the sticks where this little subdivision was so I could see why they, they might be thinking it's somebody on that little, because there's not a lot of p- other people close by otherwise. 
But at the same time, what what they don't understand about um, stalkers is that stalkers uh, are willing to go to all kinds of inconvenience to yeah. obsessively go after somebody. So I could totally picture somebody driving out there all the time, you know, parking a little ways away and hiking in, and then just and doing its thing, and then and then leaving again. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the that's a, a a very common characteristic is just taking things to a level that nobody would expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so part of the deal. Yeah. On the other other hand, you know these incidences f- vaguely correspond with when Keenan moved in, mm. and again, you know, since all this information comes from the parents, we don't know if Morgan maybe had had some pre because she had been friends with Keenan's or at least casual acquaintances like, with Keenan's girlfriend. Yeah, she and had so been, there's yeah. no. There's no real sense of if the family's trying to kind of protect a past that Morgan said, yeah, I had a run in or two with this guy that made them suspect him more. Mm-hmm. I don't I... think that's something that the mom, Tony, would have mentioned because she does try to, I mean, Morgan... She curates the information. She really does. She makes sure that everybody knows that Morgan is like perfect. Yeah. Which I understand the impetus to do, but we also... I mean, I don't think we would know if there had been some past with Keenan to make them think that he was a good candidate for mm-hmm. the stalker. Yeah, I, I don't. Think I don't he was just an easy candidate. Yeah, I don't think that there was any past actually. But uh, yeah, she she had known Brooke. They were acquaintances, and that's about it. And they hadn't talked for months, so that's about. It. There didn't seem to be any bad blood between them. Okay, anyway, I said this was a pivotal moment because this apparently is what got Keenan on the Ingram's radar. I'm not totally sure about that, but that this appears to be it. So Tony called Deputy Yance later that day and told him that a neighbor had identified Keenan as a suspect. Uh, I guess she, maybe she didn't want to get Jared involved, so she just said a, one of the neighbors said that Keenan would, uh, would be a likely suspect. It sounds like the rumor mill was working overtime in this cul-de-sac. There were a couple of go- a couple of big-time gossips in this little cul-de-sac. They really were. Pretty and I soon. feel like that really polluted a lot of what was going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like, like, like her next-door neighbor, Rhonda, in the house to the north, apparently apparently Tony was busy telling, telling Rhonda about her suspicions. So then R- Rhonda was spying on Keenan and watching his movements. And, and telling everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was no, there was no secret here. Yeah. So two days later, about 9.30 p.m., Tony is in her office in a bedroom at the front of the house. Uh, it's just right off the front at, front entrance. And Morgan, nobody else was home at the time. Somebody tossed a rock against the window. It must have apparently been a small rock. She keeps talking about rocks. I think, I'm thinking more like pebbles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but somebody, somebody hit the window with a rock. She was, the so, window of the office? Yeah, the okay. office, which was a bed. It's basically a bedroom. Doubles, yeah. doubles as an office. Uh, and is that the room that um, Morgan had been sleeping in? Uh, no. Okay. Now, she was, according to, according to her mother, I, I've never heard actually officially from Morgan that she was sleeping in their parents' Uh, their parents' master bedroom closet. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that's where her she mother... was sleeping. I thought there was. I thought I remembered something about an office, but I could be totally wrong. Well, there was one incident where she was. Um, she came home and she was taking a shower in her mother's office. Oh yeah, there, okay. Yeah, there's a bathroom in there, and it might be. Apparently, uh, Morgan did not maintain her own bathroom, but it's on in her bedroom and in, in tip-top shape. Yeah, yeah, that's and, shocking. Yeah, and so maybe the the bathtub was just cleaner in her mom's office bathroom, and so she decided to go use that one instead. Maybe. Yeah, but that's about. But she never slept in the office. She's, okay. She, according to her mother, she slept in in the master bedroom closet for a while. Back to the rock throwing incident. Uh, Tony calls the sheriff's office. They sent a few deputies over. 
And by the way, I want to say uh, to to anybody, any of you in the sheriff's office that are listening, uh, kudos to you guys. You really, you yeah, really went bless out there. You. you really went out there a lot. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. did your job. Oh, they did. Yeah, they did. Absolutely. I mean, there was no, oh, we'll come over later. Yeah. They just they went and took care of it. No, checked they, it out. No, I mean there were there were times when they did. Actually, they got a report of an incident. You know, there was one time that they came in from two different directions. You yeah. know, they they came in from the outside and everything just in an attempt in an attempt to catch this mysterious perpetrator. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and they, they searched the house so like two two doors down. You know, and they, they searched it more than once actually. Uh, the lights were on at one two three Coral Drive, uh, which is where Keenan lives. So the deputies went over there to to see if anybody'd seen anything. Brooke Harris, that Keenan's girlfriend, answers the door. Her dad was not home. But she was asked if she'd seen any suspicious activity. She said she hadn't. Um, she also said Keenan was in the house, but that he was asleep. They asked if she would wake him up, and she didn't want to, because apparently he needed to sleep, because he had to get up and like, then go to work at 2 a.m. <sighs> so, yeah, he had a job at a grocery store, and his shift was generally 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. Yeah, working at grocery stores are can be brutal on you just because of the she- the hours that are required. Oh, yeah. yeah. Working yeah. working that graveyard shift is just tough no matter what. Yeah. After the deputies left, uh, the motion-activated lights at the Ingram's lot- house went on at least seven times that night, which is according to a diary that Tony kept. Uh, and she wrote, quote, we assumed the perp was angry about almost getting caught, unquote. So I want to point something out or make a, a comment on something, which is I have looked at the digital versions that she has made of her diaries of the, the lights on uh-huh. the property because it was pretty extensive, the locations and times, and the lights would go off. She would have it at 1, one thirty, two, three, four, five, six Didn't in the morning. Didn't she install an app on her phone that tracked every single time the lights went off? She had comments on them. Well, that was the, the thing that made me think that part of this is she was waking up every time the frickin' light was going on, which means that she wasn't sleeping. Yeah, which means I don't that think maybe, any of them were sleeping very which much. Which really, well, it, it has an effect on your, your perceptions and your judgment. Yeah, good. Because it does seem like her judgment was not quite right. No, it's at least questionable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is some questionable judgment here. Yeah, uh, Keenan was uh, the family's prime suspect, of course, uh, but their suspicions were amplified when Morgan was followed one night in her car when she was driving home. Uh, she slowed down to try to get the car to pass her, but it didn't pass her. And then a third car pulls up behind that car, and uh, in the illumination of the headlights of the third car, Morgan could see the outline of a driver, which appeared to be a male of about Keenan's height and build. And then she uh, turned down Highway 100, which leads to Equestrian Way. She turned, which is her road home. Yeah, she turned right on Equestrian Way, and the car went on, on, on Highway 100. And she looked back, and she noticed it was a, a small green car, which is like the car that Keenan drove. So, ooh, more suspicions. The, uh, the, next, the next suspicious thing that happened uh, it, in the October 29th entry into her diary, and this stuff is all available online, by the way. You can see all this stuff. Tony wrote uh, that somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, and I, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but it was quite a long chain of, of you know, <laughs> of, of Gave a telephone? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, but apparently Keenan had told someone that he had a girlfriend in Carbondale named Morgan. 
And yeah. he was not living at one, two, three. Yeah, he was no longer living in the. In yeah, the no, cul-de-sac. he had broken up. He and Brooke had broken up by this yeah, point. Exactly, yep. and yeah. he had moved out. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, that's kind of a stalkery thing to say. I've got yeah. a girlfriend named Morgan, and she lives in Carbondale. And uh-huh. there's only one Morgan, of course, in Carbondale. Right? Carbondale's not a very really big town. True. Yeah. But Morgan's also not the most unique name. Not entirely. No, actually, it, it's it isn't totally unique. Uh, there was another Morgan in Carbondale, but. And I, I want to say at this point that just in case you get bored and turn off our podcast and don't listen to the rest of it, I, I really need to tell you that the case against Keenan was never very strong. And there was indeed another Morgan in Carbondale, and she actually was Keenan's girlfriend at the time. And the police actually checked this out. Yes. And, it's, it's and sure they, got, they got a ton of information from him that corroborated that it would have been nearly impossible for him to have been the responsible party. Well, there was, uh, there was some information there, yeah. Uh, there, there was... There were just times when incidents happened when he was either at work or he was out of state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so so that's presumably why. out of state. Well, yeah, his, his whole his family could have lied and stuff like that. But uh, I was just gonna say, so short story is he is not as stalkery as everybody has been led um, to believe it by this point. Yeah, I mean, there's there's various uh, schools of thought on that. Of course, Tony Ingram believes he's a serial killer, and we'll talk more about that later. But uh, yeah, she thinks that he's a serial killer. Other people think that he's innocent. So she really thinks he's a serial killer? Serial killer in training. Yeah, in I the, believe a potential. it's a serial killer in the making is okay. one of her words. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I knew that it was something along the lines of he's currently using his training wheels. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He is. Uh, but he, he said that. He said he said that to at least one police officer. She did. She said that to at least one police officer. She also, to that same police officer, put it in an email. Is that Glassmeyer? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Detective Glassmeyer. Uh, another another intriguing incident, uh, November 2nd, there were footprints in the snow, which apparently came from the cul-de-sac and circled their house and then left again. And so that creeped them out. Understandably. Yeah, although, you know, I mean, there's there might be reasons why somebody came through their yard, too, but, you know. Chasing a dog? Yeah. Kids playing? Yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah, All the I mean, way circling a house, though? I don't know. Yeah. Have you ever seen seven and eight year old kids just run? Yeah, but presumably they're pell mell. But presumably, you look at the footprints of a seven or eight year old and think, "Oh, yeah. kids." If you don't think it's an adult, <laughs> you yeah. don't think, "Wow, creepy stalker dude." I yeah. I remember looking at the map that they drew of that that incident. They had they had mapped out the path that this person took. Yeah, and it it started on the street, if I remember right, and then looped around. Clockwise around their house. Yeah, and then came back to almost the same spot, almost like somebody was not necessarily casing the joint, but there was it. The footsteps weren't in a perfect arc or no. a circle around them. It there's like another side meander here, so it makes me think that somebody was running after something or chasing something, well, not you know, necessarily checking out the house or casing it. That that's possible too. And I and the, from the pattern that they drew, I'm not even too. I'm not even sure that it was one set of footprints. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I I really can't tell. I'm sure it probably wasn't actually, but you know, people go out walking in the snow. Is this a Winnie the Pooh thing? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's one person, and I'm following his tracks. Now there's two Piglet. Now there's four Pooh, because they're following their own tracks. Oh, I gotcha. Clever. Neither of you remember this? I. It's been so long since I read Winnie the Pooh, I don't oh, remember anything. So disappointed. I am so going to get to the reference kudos this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Winnie. Winnie. I'm sure all of our fans are really into Winnie. <laughs> 
Well, I, let's uh, let's go back a little bit in time. On September 25th, uh, Detective Glassmeyer, Robert Glassmeyer of the Garfield County Sheriff's Office. Who is he? He's the one who's been kind of the lead investigator. Yeah, if you read he's all his reports. He's main contact. Yeah, he's, he, he, he did. Uh, he's of the 220-page report fame. Most of it, yeah. There was some, some other stuff written, other reports written by other officers, but he's it's written most of mostly him. It. Yeah. Uh, he installed two wildlife cameras on the north side of the, the Ingram's house. And that's the Morgan's bedroom was in the northwest corner of the house, and, and the north side would be the side yard. So that is the obvious place for the stalker to hang out and throw rocks at her window, right? At this time, Tony was calling and emailing uh, Glassmeyer repeatedly, saying that lights were coming on, somebody was scratching at Morgan's windows, and et cetera. And uh, October 2nd, uh, Detective Glassmeyer changed the memory cards and reviewed what was on the, the ones that had been in the camera and found no images of anything. And, but, of course, maybe Keenan or whoever the perp was was just really clever and switched the memory cards to the cameras. I also think, I mean, I, I've seen trail cams that take pictures of nothing. Or just, you know, empty trails. So it's, you yeah, know, they, if, they if have the a stalker beam that was is broken and that's what triggers them. Or the stalker's moving fast enough that, you know, the camera doesn't turn on. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I mean, he actually went back and he, he, went, he serviced those things pretty regularly. And he, yeah, never, he, he never found a single useful image on them ever. You know, that's one wily stalker. And then on October 7th, uh, Detective Glassbinder and another detective walked onto the property, which means they did not park their cop car out in front of the property. On the yeah. street. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That would have been. So they parked elsewhere, like I'm not sure exactly where, and they walked onto the property through the back over a berm and hid in the bushes uh, and staked it out from 11 p.m. to 12.45 a.m. and saw nothing, which doesn't necessarily mean there wasn't a stalker. It just mean the, means the stalker... They weren't there on a night that he was happen, there. Yeah, yeah, it didn't happen to show up. What they did notice is that the backyard uh, motion-activated light turned on and off two or three times, and uh, and there was nothing going on. It just came on on its own, or maybe because of a, of a tree movie or something like that. I just watched the episode of um, Sherlock, the Hound of Basketballville's episode of the new Sherlock. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and that happens in that, too. The light just goes on and off, but the guy's so paranoid that, you know, of course, he's, like, freaked out and screaming and has a gun. And uh-huh. I, I mean, you know. Those really, lights, yeah. those Art lights imitates just life. go yeah. on and off. Or it was an invisible hound. Could have been. Maybe the stalker has an invisibility cloak. It could be. In fact, he probably does. We're yeah. going to talk about that next week. Great. Uh, yeah. I, do need, I do need to watch Sherlock. I haven't seen that it's show It's a great yet. show. Yeah. Uh, You're really I missing out. I'll, uh-huh. I'll give it to you. Do you? Oh, that's I, awesome. It's on Netflix. Thank you. He, he's, oh. Shh. Yeah. Devin's your only source for this television show. Okay. That's it then. I'll take it. Uh, anyway, that night after they left at 2.30 a.m., Glassmeyer got a text from Tony saying the backyard light was turning on and off, and Glassmeyer explained that he'd seen it going on and off himself and that it was, it was probably nothing. Probably needed to calibrate your light. And time goes on. Tony kept reporting incident, in, incidents, uh, and Glassmeyer kept checking his wildlife cams, never got images of anything, as I said. And the Ingrams got a few murky images on their cameras, but never... Sorry, Anything. so they set up cameras too? Yeah, yeah, they had. They, and were those trail cams or were they cameras they were, that they were streaming? They were like wildlife cams, but apparently they took uh, they took video instead of instead of snaps. It's Yeah, it was, it sounded like it was a video camera that obviously was motion activated. Okay. Wasn't a high grade one. It, but they yeah. were like low grade surveillance cameras. Yes. Yeah. Because I do remember reading 
her often saying, I was staying up all night watching the cameras, so yep. it made me think. Yeah, they, they had a feed. And they're her, they were theirs. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, they yeah. got some pictures. So, yeah, they've got several cameras all around the house, and then there's two sheriff's cameras there. So that, that place was just totally covered. Uh, well, and on, the, on those, that, that front camera, that's where the infamous stalker photo comes from. Yeah. There's this, they, they capture this picture... Apparently, the police had just been there. Well, it's a series of pictures. Is it that well, they always post? It's like three in succession, and a two of them are of the cops. Right. Okay. Now the I see. The cops what you mean. arriving, the cops leaving, and then this other one. And then this other, this person is in their driveway and has is turning their head. So it's it's not that great of an image because it's all blurred out. And Tony and Steve are saying that you can see that the taillights of the police car in that that image. Mm -hmm. So that's how soon this person comes on their property. Yeah. It's like he was hiding right nearby. And yeah, just, and because right that's, that's and, one of the yeah. things that they talk about is this person was always there and was fooling the cops and was getting their jollies off of, of just messing with everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but their cameras obviously weren't that great. Yeah. And I really, I mean, I, again, with a lot of things, and I'm the jerk who does this, I question a lot of the stuff that is presented as proof. Mm -hmm. um, because it seems a little soft to me, but, yeah. but that's one of the ones that you see on the internet a lot is that this is, this is the cops arriving and leaving. And then there's the stalker mm -hmm. in the footage, which is one of the only images of a person that we have. Yeah. There's not much out there in terms of imagery for considering how many cameras were on the property. Mm -hmm. He was a clever little fiend. If yeah. Yeah. If indeed he exists. Well, there's that. Yeah. And uh, see, about this time, Keenan began getting threats on Facebook, that would be in November, uh, from a guy named Danny Roden, who was either Morgan's boyfriend at the time or trying to be his, her boyfriend. Also in November, this was on the 16th, uh, Keenan voluntarily came into the sheriff's office because apparently his dad contacted the sheriff's. His dad's name is Wade. And uh, he had heard these, all these stories about how Keenan was being accused of being a stalker. The rumor mill had reached him. The rumor him. mill had mm -hmm. reached him. And, well, also, the, the, the sheriffs actually went by where Keenan worked to ask questions about him and try to find out, you know, if he worked there and when, what his shifts were and everything, and everything like that, trying to eliminate him or prove mm -hmm. that he was a suspect. Yeah. And, so, and Wade also apparently worked at the same place, so they, uh, you know, he was obviously concerned, wanting to know what this was about. So Wade and Keenan went in for an interview on the 16th. Uh, Keenan said he didn't know Morgan uh, when he was told about the various footprints that they had found in, in, the, in the dirt and in the snow. He offered to turn over a pair of his shoes for comparison. Uh, he also volunteered to take a polygraph test. He's and, cooperative as can be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was very cooperative. Uh, he didn't lawyer up or anything like that. Lastmeyer also wanted to see Keenan's work records as a way to maybe eliminate him as a suspect, and Keenan signed a consent form. Available online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they collected all of a huge ton of his time cards. Oh, yeah. Hey, they're out, and they're out there to look at. Yeah. So, yeah. They also had another another image, uh, a video of somebody walking up their driveway at night. This is not the same one that you were talking about. It's a different, different one. one. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. somebody actually like, like pulled into their driveway, got out, walked up to their house, and turned and walked away again. They thought that was suspicious. Uh, but again, they couldn't see, they couldn't see who, who it was. These crappy cameras they had. So Glassmeyer made reference to that video when he was when he was talking to Keenan, tried to rattle his cage a little bit, said he sent the video to the CBI, which is the Colorado Bureau of Investigation for Enhancement, 
even though the CBI, I think, had already told him that there was no way they could enhance it. You can't enhance <laughs> that stuff? What? No, believe it this or not. This isn't CSI? I know. You can't just zoom and enhance? No. That's, mm. a, that's the whole thing is that everybody seems to believe that you can just say computer, enhance, you know? And the computer can extract information that doesn't exist. It just adds more pixels. <laughs> yeah. You just add more pixels. I yeah. know, I know. And uh, but, but, you know, I, of course, a lot of people don't understand this. They watch this crap in the movies and on TV. Where they just pour more pixels on to the screen and it it cleans it up. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, and so Keenan was like, "Oh, well, you're still not going to find my face in there." Mm-hmm. Basically, what he said. And, and yeah, he was like, "So what?" Uh, so he was either either totally innocent or he, or he was a sociopath. Well, you guys decide. We'll present the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll you'll figure it out. Uh, at, the, at this point, the terror continued on for two more weeks. Um, then, on the evening of Thursday, December first. Berger was out for a while with uh, Danny Roden. He's the guy that was sending the Facebook Boyfriend, threats. maybe not. Maybe, yeah. maybe boyfriend, maybe not. Uh, yeah, I read the... You, you, you guys probably read the Facebook exchange, right? Yeah. Yeah. I stopped. I mean, I read the first, like, two pages of it. Yeah, I read yeah. some of it, and then I just gave up on it. Yeah, yeah. I read the whole thing, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, typical Internet stuff. It, yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's guys arguing on the early Internet. Dudes in the early 20s arguing over a girl. I'm yeah. going to kick your ass, man. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I better find you before the cops. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we read more than we want to admit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He parted ways with her, and he reported later that she was actually in a good mood when, when they parted ways, but something must have happened between then and when she got home at 9 p.m. because her parents said that she was in a foul mood for some reason. But Morgan had also taken Tony's car without permission, and she also had not responded to any of the text messages that her parents sent to her. So Tony was angry with her for that, and so... I remember being, you know, going to see my boyfriend when I was 19, 20, and being in a good mood when I was with him and then I left and I was like, oh, I gotta go home now and deal with my parents. And my parents are awesome for the record as an older person now, but mm-hmm. I, th- you know, you just kind of get in that like, oh God, or maybe it's even like, oh God, I got to go back to that house. Well, and, <laughs> and Morgan had been a student and she had essentially just dropped her studies at that point. Whether it was from what was going on at home or just a shift in her interests, like it's it's one of those things where you go home and it's, ah, oh, I have all that crap to do and I just don't want to be here and mom and dad mm-hmm. are gonna harp on me for not getting my stuff done because yeah. I'm a college kid living at home. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It might it might be that uh, she was twenty years old, still living at home, and she just didn't really enjoy it. You know, I, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, no, most of us don't or wouldn't. But well, anyway, so they're both they're both in bad moods. Tony's angry. They had an argument, which culminated with Morgan calling Tony a bad word. That so starts with a B. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Also means female dog. Yeah, there you go. Uh, apparently, that was unusual for Morgan. Uh, then she went to her bedroom and shut the door. Tony knocked on the door and said she wanted to talk, and um, Morgan told her to go away. And then Steve, her dad, went in, and they had a little talk for about 15 minutes, which apparently ended on a good note, which is good because they would never talk again. Yeah. Yeah, because Morgan, Sadly. Was, Morgan was found dead in her bed the next morning. 
And she had her clothes on. She had taken her shoes off, but otherwise was fully clothed. And uh, an autopsy and lab tests uh, revealed extremely high levels of amitriptyline in her system, which is a drug for the treatment of anxiety. I don't know if I mentioned this before. And, and it's depression. one of the several drugs she was and, on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but no pills were found in her stomach. Also, her driver's license was missing from her purse, and some of her jewelry was gone. As I said earlier, eventually the coroner ruled the death a suicide by drug overdose. Uh, but Tony Ingram's theory in the case is a little different. Uh, she, she and her husband believed that Morgan was murdered by her, by her stalkers. By the time of Morgan's death, they suspected that Brooke Harris was also a part of the stalking conspiracy. Originally, they thought it was just Keenan, but they later came to believe it was Brooke also. And they believed that Brooke and or Keenan concealed themselves in their backyard in the bushes or somewhere and observed them keying the code into the back door and then knowing the code on late late December 1st or in the wee early hours of December 2nd they gained access through that back door went into Morgan's bedroom and subdued her and administered a fatal dose of liquid amitriptyline which you can get online with, with even without a prescription either through uh, injection or by forcing Morgan to drink it um, did I mention that amitriptyline is a date rape drug mm. I don't think that's true. Well, it is, according to Tony Ingram. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so when Morgan was sufficiently out of it, Keenan raped her. And then apparently Keenan and Brooke put Morgan's pants back on her and left the same way they came in, of course, stopping it to grab her driver's license and uh, her jewelry. It's trophies. Yeah. And uh, so our, that's our mystery here is, did she commit suicide? That's Morgan, that is. Uh, was this an accidental overdose? Or was she murdered? Well, there's a few theories. Uh, first theory, well, I call hell yeah, she was murdered. Um, the, the the Ingrams actually seem to originally have had theory that she was like murdered by murdered by fright, uh, and then they now, literally scared to death. Yeah, apparently, or or if she or if she did commit suicide, it was because she was just living in so much terror. Well, that is not so absurd to me, but. No, we can talk I, about that in a little bit. I can understand why they would feel that way. Mm, yeah, but, I feel that way. But the other one is that the stalker. Uh, so that that mur- that thing is a stalker made her life such a living hell. She she killed herself, which means that her stalkers were the killers. Uh, and the ignorance have very, been very critical of law enforcement for not investigating the crime. There's a long quote which I won't quote you here. But go to their webpage. It's called morganingram.com, and they will list all their all their grievances. But here's Here's a synopsis of it. There's been no investigation um, into her death, nor the stocking. Jewelry was stolen from her room. Her bottom bed sheet, pajamas, driver's license, and more were taken that she was killed, but no investigation. A year after her death, we would learn that a date-rape cocktail was put into her stomach after she was dead, but still no investigation. Two years after her death, uh, we learned that her body showed evidence of being assaulted, redressed, and posed after she was dead. Still no investigation. So this is this is the family. This is um, you know me paraphrasing what the family said on their website. Which is strange because when you read the correspondence from the family to the cops, they are so thankful for everything that the police are doing for them. Because uh-huh. the police were going to some pretty big lengths. Oh yeah. To to try to help these people. And then suddenly they turn around and they are 
ultra critical of their complete and utter lack of motivation to do anything uh-huh. the whole time. Yeah, I know. I think the police, if there had been any evidence, you know, I think that they would have been happy to follow up on it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure of it. Yeah, so the problem is with the, the, this murder theory is there's no physical evidence. Uh, her bedroom was in disarray. Uh, there's clothes and stuff strewn everywhere, which could be evidence of a struggle. Except her bathroom was the same way. There's that. She had been using yeah. one of the other bedrooms in the house. It was also in total disarray. Yeah. One of the police, um, what do they call it? Their their summations after the fact. I can't think of yeah, the, the, the phrase for the, it. The reports or whatever. Yeah, he, he was saying that he actually used the term slovenly, slovenly in the report. <laughs> that is how... How chaotic that room was. I don't know. I think men often uh, think that women are like very clean. Turns out when we're in our early 20s and and our teenage years, no. You're like a 15-year-old boy. Oh, God, it's worse. Because there's makeup involved. There's makeup and there's like 20 times more clothes and it's just awful yeah. i mean i was a slob yeah i'm not i'm not gonna make any judgments about her because i'm not the tidiest, no, no, I'm not the tidiest I, housekeeper myself but but the, the sheer amount of stuff that everybody reported being strewn about oh yeah they said it was just a mess yeah but uh not not likely to be from a struggle uh there were also no marks in her body no signs you know no i mean obviously the, the coroner is going to look at her over very carefully yeah. Because she's 20 years old and she's dead. I mean, so you're definitely going to look for any signs of violence or foul play. And she was examined carefully. There were no puncture marks, uh, no bruises, no scratches, nothing. Absolutely nothing. No outward signs of anything. Uh, yeah, and obviously no signs of rape. Obviously, that would be pretty obvious if that had happened, right? She... Um, I'm, I'm not going to say yes to that. Yeah. I don't think that's always as obvious as one might be led to believe. But mm. I also think that sometimes... The coroner has to be looking for that. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be on the bandwagon yeah, with that. Well, well, I don't think she was raped. I'm just to that yeah. it's gonna be obvious statement. Yeah, I mean I, I guess there are ways you could have there are ways you could have concealed it, but eh, who knows. Uh, it's also I think a lot of people underestimate how hard it is to redress a sleeping unconscious dead. body. Yeah. Dead weight. Yeah. yeah it's I, hard. It's hard enough to dress a live person how many, who's how trying many, to help you. How many times have you tried to dress a dead body? Uh, I have not ever, but I do have a lot of experience dressing live bodies who are trying to help you, and it's not easy. Well, you've uh, tried even to dress when they're toddlers to who you. are... Yeah. They're yeah. just like, no! Yeah, no. no it doesn't and they weigh like well. 16 pounds yeah. or how much a toddler weighs, I don't know, obviously, yeah. but probably 30. But yeah. the point is... It's not easy. Yeah, it would not be hard to. Uh-huh. I mean, it would. I think you. I think that the police would be able to say, okay, there's something off about this. Mm-hmm. Particularly if it was, you know, 20 year old girl in 2011. Jeans are tight. Uh, absolutely. And I agree. Morgan did have a prescription for amitriptyline, as I, I think I said, but and a bottle was found in her room and it had 12 tablets in it. But... Do you know what percentage of the pills that was? Like, was that a small amount of the total prescription? I'm assuming this prescription was, uh, t- I don't know, what. 30 pills, probably. Okay. I mean, but it could have been for a larger amount. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't really know. Typically, when I get a prescription, it's usually 30 pills. If um, it's an ongoing, sometimes I'll get 50. Yeah, I was going to say... something I've been on for a long time. So I looked up uh, amitriptyline, and it, it really depends on the frequency of the dosage. And mm. then that, of course, dictates the strength of the dosage. Mm. Once a day is going to be probably stronger pill than somebody who has to take three times a day. And that's going to influence how many pills you get and for how long you're going to be taking them. Mm. I mean, again, if yeah. it's an ongoing thing, you figure, okay, let's just presume three a day. 
30 something sounds right but mm. i don't know now, if it's three a day you're probably gonna get 90 at a time you don't yeah. want to be refilling it every, every well that's the thing days. i don't know i mean she had just recently been put on the medication it wasn't oh. as if it was something that she had been taking for years. Okay, yeah, then no. yeah, it's probably a smaller dose. That's why I'm saying and it was probably a smaller amount. But I think it was 25 milligrams, uh, and I don't think I don't. Her parents reported that she didn't actually like taking it, and she didn't take it if she didn't have to. Which is funny because that conflicts with some other things that I read in regards to the dosages that she was self-administering for mm. some of her medication mm, for for like uh, recreational well, purposes. But in no, okay, yeah. but let's be fair. Just because she was self-administering other doses of other medications doesn't mean that she would have done the same with this because the way that different medications affect you, if this one True. is causing her to have some nausea or disassociate or whatever, she's going to be less likely to want to take this than other ones that if are affecting her in a positive manner. That is true if she's experiencing that, but it also doesn't mean that she couldn't have been upping her dose on her oh, own. Oh, for sure. What I was yeah. talking about for, though, the things that she was taking is she was on uh, gabapentin. Uh-huh. Is that, uh, yeah, gabapentin, yeah. which is... Um, it's an epilepsy or a seizure medication, uh-huh. which I guess she had had for a long time. The and medication... It, not seizures? Correct. Okay. The medication. And Steve apparently was the one who would give it to her. Yeah, he kept he would, it in his possession. Yeah. Except that at one point after her death, he had reported to one of the police officers that, I guess, let's just say she was supposed to be taking one every 12 hours or something. Mm-hmm. She was taking, instead of one at a time, she tripled the dosage. She was taking three of them at a time. At and at the same interval, or she at taking... the normal interval, hmm. she had just decided for whatever reason she was upping her dosage. Now, I don't know what the reason or cause of any of that is, and what the implications are. I mean, medication overdoses are bad, and they mix weird. But it's just when she starts up upping one, it makes me wonder if she's upping them all. Maybe I um, and I don't know what the side effects of, of that is. Or are because maybe that I've heard reports that she was using some of her meds for recreational use, um, and that's not unheard of either. Yeah, and so no, it's not. And she all. also had some other recreational drugs she okay. was taking. I mm-hmm. just, I'm sorry, I just looked up gabapentin, and it uh, treats nerve pain. Mm-hmm. So it is an anticonvulsant. So, but it also treats nerve pain, which means it dulls pain, mm-hmm. which means it's a painkiller, which is probably why her father was the one who was trying to administer it to her. But also, if you took a couple of those, I can imagine that that would... Um, that would zone you out a little bit. Yeah. Might make it so feel that... nice. It might be something that's... I mean, there are certain medications that it's like there's no recreational validity to that mm-hmm. drug at all. And then there are others that do have those side effects mm-hmm. or those effects. Yeah. Uh, but... Damn it. Again, I, I feel like the, the jerk here because that immediately makes me wonder, what are her parents not telling us? Like, again, they make her just sound like she's this perfect angel. And yet there's these signs of possibly larger and other things going on that we're not being told about. So do we want to put a pin in this and finish the we murder probably theory should, yeah. and then we'll yeah. talk about okay. other stuff? Yeah, let's do this real quick. So there were no pills of the... Yeah, there were no pills in her stomach uh-huh. uh, on the, in the autopsy. They, you know, they they looked at the contents of her stomach, obviously, and uh, they didn't see any pills in there. Although there's and and the parents are big on this. They're 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 like, wow, she had these pills 
in her bedroom that she could have taken to commit suicide, but no pills were found in her stomach. Uh, so that's suspicious. But on the other hand, her stalkers, her stalker, could have gotten some of this liquid amitriptyline and, and somehow introduced it into her body, either through a hypodermic or by forcing her to swallow it, and et cetera, et cetera. So that proves in their mind that it was probably murder. Did you see but, the quantity? What's that? Did you see the quantity that's listed from the medical examiner of how much she had in her? Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was a very high level. And um, the... Um, 7,900 milliliters. Oh, yeah. No, no. It was, it was really high. And uh, they eventually uh, revisited the case a little bit. They actually... Because they looked at the contents of her stomach. Well, I think the pills just dissolved. Uh, and so... But when I would they, agree. But they, they, they actually had the contents of her stomach in storage, and so they got it back out, sent it to a lab, looked at it, and what they found in there was basically in, in the equivalent of about 18 tablets, 25 milligrams each, of amitriptyline. In her stomach? In her stomach, yeah. Just not in pill form. Yeah, because it dissolved, because you got all this acid. And I don't know if you noticed this. A lot of pills, that some of the pills that I take, I put them on my tongue and they immediately start Certainly breaking dissolve down. right away. I was just yeah. I was just looking up the dissolve times and someone and I this is a literally a cursory Google search so please don't, you know, crucify me for this, but somebody was saying that those gelatin tabs that you fill up, you know, those mm-hmm. little capsules are like an hour max mm-hmm. to dissolve. Well, so So she uh, would have had to have been alive for an hour or at least no. her no. Her, yeah, no, she could she have been have dead, and the acid in her stomach yeah. still would have been oh, acid. Oh yeah, I it doesn't go neutral. When what? You... <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, yeah, no, yeah. it would have been. So dissolved. it's reasonable to assume that in sometime in the hours that you know transpired between taking pills, and that they would have totally dissolved. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, that's the end of the murder theory. It's uh, so not we a don't very really strong think one. That uh, one. Yeah, yeah, and oh yeah, there was a dog in the house. They're, they're, yeah, we talked about the puppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super cute. Yeah, super cute puppy. Uh, the dog would have barked, don't you think? Yeah, mm-hmm. to a major struggle. Yeah, a, a major struggle and a and, rape. And Steve and Tony seem to not be sleeping well as is. You know, lights were waking them up. I can only imagine what a struggle would. Uh, yeah, you, know? you, would, you would think, huh? Yeah. Uh, this is another interesting thing about this is you'd think they would have bumped their security a bit, like maybe an alarm. Or an actual physical key. Yeah. For the door. No more keypad. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaving that alone. Yeah, or, or if nothing else, you, you put a pile of, uh, you stack up a pile of empty beer cans by all the doors and windows, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah that, Every that's, night. That's a, that's Honey, a, I can't yeah. go to bed. I haven't armed the security system. Look, 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 look. Yeah. Okay, so well, next theory, we've uh, kind of been talking around, right? Yeah, yeah, suicide. Um, did I mention that amitriptyline is used to treat, I think I did, depression and anxiety. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, her parents did report that she had been a little down before her death, and she'd lost interest in some of her usual activities. Uh, she was uh, she was playing the piano. She was into dancing and stuff. She was taking classes to be a yoga instructor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, she, she was doing a whole bunch of uh, arts courses. Mm-hmm. Of course, I said she preferred not to take the amitriptyline, but she did have it handy, and it certainly would be a handy way to kill yourself if you chose to. Again, I talked about the contents of her stomach, which was the equivalent of about 18, 25-milligram pills of the amitriptyline, which if she had a bottle that had a dosage of 30 minus 18 equals 12. Which is how many there were. Exactly. Uh, so 
Although uh, that would mean that she didn't ever take any of them before this one night. Well, yeah. So she that. wouldn't have known if she didn't like to take it. Yeah, no. Well, she it had been refilled before. I mean, it's like, oh, like okay. so she might have. But, but you know, it, it may well be that it was a, like 90 pills. I mean, I don't know how many pills were in that thing. You know? I have no idea. So I'm not saying the 18 minus 30 really actually proves anything. Joe's just made up math to yeah. prove a point that he doesn't know works. Yeah. yeah. Math yeah. is overrated. The I maths actually, don't work. I math. think actually that is maths, is is just making up things to prove a point and then coming back later no, and saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So, right. I mean, I think it's not unreasonable to say that she killed herself intentionally no. or otherwise, that it was suicide. Yeah, I... I mean, I can't believe it's accidental overdose. Because, I was gonna, well, know. I was going to say is that, I'm sorry, but if I grab a handful of pills and wash them down, I'm probably pretty sure that there's going to be negative consequences to that. You can bet, yeah. You, you, nobody takes them by accident. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew, fr- I knew kids who took aspirin, a boatload of aspirin, because they thought it was going to have a negative effect on them. People know lots of pills equals bad thing. Yeah, that's one of the first things when, when I was a little kid growing up, my mother, my mother told me is that, hey, you can't be swallowing all this stuff. If, if you want to take one, take one, but don't take a bunch of them because that they will put kill Mr. you. Yuck on things. Yeah. <sighs> and when I was a kid, by the way, they didn't have childproof caps. They just relied on your... Your, your, your parents smacking you across yeah. the head. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean, I agree, especially if it's 18 pills. Um, but... You know, she was on a lot of other stuff, and she didn't really like to take the pills, and I don't necessarily know if they were all taken in one fell swoop, or it was, you know, she took a couple and didn't feel anything. She was stressed out. She was anxious. She was, like, really, really paranoid. So, so she popped a couple and waited, and they didn't they didn't seem to be working, and popped a couple more. And, you know, maybe... Certain... And she was on medical marijuana as well. Yeah, she was. And, uh, you know... Maybe she just kept forgetting that she'd already taken a Well, I don't think forgetting, <laughs> but I think maybe you're, you're just kind of... You're not really paying attention, and so on the accidental oh. suicide camp, though, is that Joe is is using the math of these being twenty five milligram pills. Uh-huh. But I was looking at stuff that was saying that it could be up to a hundred or a hundred and fifty to two hundred milligrams. So that really would have been seven pills. So that wouldn't have been as many pills as we've we've been making it out to be. Yeah. I just I realized I looked at my notes, I was like, oh oh hell. Yeah. They can be large dosages at times. So and how yeah. many how many milligrams did they say were in So when I looked at the coroner's information or the Emmy's info it was listed in milliliters because it was in a liquid form at that point, which isn't always milliliters and milligrams aren't always a one-to-one ratio when it comes to medication. Right. Because and the effects of one milliliter is not always the same. But it was 7,900 milliliters. Yeah, and it's like... The, you and know, I don't know if that's all, including all the fluids or what. Yeah, it it would like, have had to have been. It was like three times a lethal dose or something like that. It was I a big remember. number, yeah. It was It was high. Yeah. yeah. I, frankly, if they're measuring liquid, I don't know that you can necessarily say, and this portion is how much Well, I think the lab the might drugs. be able to, though, because it was on a, a lab report okay. that was spitting out that was saying this, negative, this, negative, this. And it just like, it was a sheet of everything negative until we got to this medication and then it said positive and then it had a a unit number next to it. Mm -hmm. So that's why maybe they're presuming a, um, the equivalent of how much would have been present in her entire system. 
I, mean, I, mm. I don't know. I'm not a lab tech, and I apologize. I probably butchered that, but that's my my guess. Yeah, I you know I, I'm not sure how they infer these things, but I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's easy to do so if you if you got the right equipment and you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know whether she took you know 18, uh, 25 milligram pills or nine 50 milligram pills. I mean, I don't know, but or yeah, I don't. I didn't even know what what strengths amitriptyline actually comes in and. But uh, she took the equivalent of eighteen twenty-five. You know, that, there's that's pretty much it. Uh, another clue re- regarding the suicide theory uh, is an, an, another detective from the sheriff's office uh, grabbed Morgan's diary and took a look at it. And the entries were undated, so it's not certain when this was written or if it was written on the date of death. But the last sentence in the diary is, "quote I've completely lost my cool." Unquote. So not exactly suicidal, but not really positive and upbeat either. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that means anything or not. There are reports of her having, and and the stalking, I understand, is why everybody's going to point to this when I say it, but behavioral changes on mm-hmm. her part. She yeah. she had really, she changed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I get it. You're being stalked. That freaks you out. You're going to change your patterns and your interests and all of that. If indeed the stalking is real. Mm-hmm. What we haven't talked about is that she may have been experiencing some kind of psychosis, whether mm-hmm. from the medication or just naturally uh, occurring. That may have been what's going on. And so then, she's just hearing things when she hears those tap, tap, taps on the windows. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about she's doing medical marijuana, and there's, I know, a fair number of people who smoke pot and they get super paranoid. So mm-hmm. that that's a very possible thing. Well, yeah. she could have been having some kind of psychosis and the medication was actually causing it because there are side effects like sort of hallucinatory side effects that could be completely the, the culprit. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, one of the thing, I mean, when you look at the medications she was taking and the symptoms she had apparently been describing, it's not unlikely that she was suffering from panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things psychosis does sometimes go with, it doesn't always go with, but sometimes goes with panic attacks. And that can include auditory hallucinations. Sure. It can include delusions. It can include paranoia. Yeah. It includes a lot of different mental factors as well as that, you know, heart racing that she was describing that we've seen. She was describing she was on some pills for having a beta chest blocker. pain. Um, what was that? That was uh, propranolol. Propranolol. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And, you know, again, to be fair, I was on beta blockers for migraines, um, but you, so you can be on those for a lot of different things, but if she was having this chest pain and she was having these panic attacks and it sounds like the medication she was on were to control that anxiety. And she had been complaining about pa- chest pains a lot in the two yeah. weeks prior to her yeah. death. And I really can't, I mean, I do think she had to have been having panic attacks. I've read those reports. I am not an anxiety ridden person, but I would have been having panic attacks if I were in the situation that she was in, whether real or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so suicide is a pretty credible theory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, frankly, it's, uh, it's a lot stronger. Intentional than or accidental. Uh, our next theory is a uh, variant on suicide, which is suicide, and also the stalking never actually happened. The, there were reasons to doubt the, the actual existence of the stalking to begin with, and there are, reason, there are reasons to doubt Tony Ingram's credibility. She's the one that maintains, apparently, morganingram.com. And uh, there's some things out there that, frankly, I kind of question. This uh, is one of those. This is one of those situations where I always worry 
when there's basically a single source for the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the fact that the police keep such good records and those were available, yeah. we would have one source for this story. Yeah, and it would be, you know, and, and if originally this story is not too long ago. A couple, I, I don't remember when it was, 2012 or whenever, and it came to the attention of Web Sleuth. And then... Um, uh, it and was, a thread was created? And a thread was created. And it was a story of this girl who had been stalked and terrorized and then was murdered, found dead. And, and a lot of people took it really seriously at first. And then eventually people began to have their doubts about it. Um, and But it's apparently, a, for, even for web sleuths, it's pretty freaking huge thread. It's like almost 3,000 pages. That's huge. Yeah, it's enormous. I didn't even try to get through it because, I mean, frankly, they, getting through web sleuths, and I'm, this is not to put anybody down that posts there, you know, because there are good posts out there, but getting through web sleuths is you got to read a whole lot of stuff to find a single nugget of good, solid information. I, I wouldn't put that uh, just against web sleuths. That's forums any in form, general. Yeah, any, any, that's any, forums oh, in yeah. General. No, you're, you're right. It is any forum. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm trying to actually conceptualize, really reach a conceptualization of a forum that can actually find a way to segregate the useful stuff from just you know the the fluff. You know? <laughs> Not I haven't happen. I haven't figured out a way to do it yet, but I'm really trying to think hard. When you of a way when to we do make that. that app, we're going to be millionaires. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But uh, where where were we anyway? Oh yeah, so uh, it, so it really is. You can see why this could attract a certain sort of attention, and then people would be like really super sympathetic. But then when you really know the facts of the case. Well, first off, let's start here. Was Morgan really as terrorized as Tony claimed she was? And it's hard to tell because Morgan herself, when uh, the police talked to her, they didn't. She didn't seem that concerned. The Detective Glassmeyer's report of uh, October third, two thousand eleven, says, and I quote: uh, "Morgan seems to be more bothered by trying to catch the suspects. Morgan would rather ignore the harassment and continue living her life." Unquote. Well, okay. Yeah. We haven't actually said yet. I don't think maybe we did, that the way that Tony heard about the rocks hitting Morgan's window is Morgan would text her. Mm-hmm. From her bedroom. From her bedroom. Yeah. To her mom's bedroom on the other side of their house. Right, which yeah. was a big house, but and I just a, think... a long house. But I think that's an important note as well, is that whether Morgan seemed like she was more bothered by trying to catch the suspects or not... At the very least, she was also providing information to Tony. At least Tony says she was providing information. Mm-hmm. I suspect that the detectives actually went and found the text logs and found that she had actually been texting her mom. You would think that they I'm would. sure they did. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't. They were pretty thorough. They yeah. were very thorough. So, But, you know, actually, I got to tell you, I, I, read, uh, I, I read the reports. And I read the report that in Tony's diary, I read the, the entries talking about the text. But I read... Glassmire's reports especially, and he was pretty thorough. He never once mentioned actually getting their phones and looking at their text messages. Yeah. And I would think so that it's if he had done that, yeah. that he didn't. But I, just, I do want to mention that as, as bothered as Morgan may have seemed about the investigation, she was reporting, at least reportedly reporting, that stuff was going on. Mm-hmm. Right? It would have been pretty easy for her to just say, Mom, no, it stopped. No, it stopped. If yeah. she had been serious about just wanting to deal with the harassment for the rest of her life, she would have just said, no, no, it stopped. It's fine. Everything's fine. And people don't do that, but no. she could have. But I, I want to I take us down a slight side road for a second, yeah. which is something we haven't talked about, which is the rocks. Mm-hmm. Rocks are being thrown at her window. Mm-hmm. Pebbles, but yeah. Pebbles. Not fist-sized rocks. 
Not fist sized no. rocks, but pebbles. Yeah, and actually, yeah. eventually, at one point, they decided somebody must have been using an airsoft rifle. Yeah. And so they did look for this. But where where is the pile of rocks under her window? Well, I'm assuming that's what I want to know. It's because in the gutters. Yeah. In the gutter. What? Yeah. Why not in the gutter? Yeah, it bounces off and it sort of loops around and, and, and winds up in the gutter. The... Yeah. The thing is, it's snowing out because it was winter in Colorado and oh, there is true. snow and it is frozen. And if somebody is throwing rocks, okay, yeah, it could have been a piece of ice. I get it. But if they are throwing rocks, there should have been obvious evidence and people should have seen it. And if this family is so thorough of documenting everything, they should have said, oh, my God. There's a pebble outside of her window. Well, Take a picture of it so we have it, and let's get yeah. it fingerprinted. And I'm being a little facetious here, but there is none of that. At the end, at the end of four months of tossing pebbles at, at Morgan's window, there certainly should have been a fairly decent-sized pile of pebbles under her window. Should have been a small pyramid of Gaza there, yeah, or uh, were, Giza. Yeah, if they were using uh, an airsoft gun, I mean, those those pellets are plastic, and they're brightly colored. And there and were they, none of those either, because yeah. they no, did look for those. The police came by and did look for airsoft. So this, I know I'm taking this down the side road, but again, if we're going to question, did this actually happen, mm-hmm. where is this stuff? Snowballs. Yeah. There's actually snowballs. Yeah, that could be. Maybe. I, but even then, that in would the leave end. residue on the windows. You yeah. would think. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm assuming, my theory is that the stalker was using self-dissolving rocks. But, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. those are not cheap. Which you can buy online, yeah. Ice yeah. cubes, actually. Yeah. It was just ice cubes. Yeah. Uh, well, back to back to Morgan, though, for a second here. Uh, as I said, uh, Morgan, I don't think, was as terrorized as Tony says she was. Uh, Detective Glassmeyer on October 30th filed another report he summarized some conversations that he had with Tony Ingram. And here is a quote of what he says Tony said. Quote, I know Morgan is very emotionally distraught and not thinking clearly. She cries when I talk about it and wants to pretend it just isn't happening. Unquote. So it could be that uh, she was in, Morgan was in denial, or it could be that Morgan thought her mom was just crazy and she wanted her to shut up about stalking. I mean, I don't really know. I also, I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit too. It's also possible in my mind that like Morgan was trying to cover her tracks for sneaking out. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, maybe Morgan made some of this stuff up and then maybe it... Uh, it just got out of hand. It got it out was of hand. some kind of attention-seeking behavior in the beginning that or, then, oh my God, you put in cameras and the cops are here. And well, this mom, has got to end. And mom, mom is, stop. And, and mom is going insane. She's stalking Keenan now. And yeah, she literally was. I mean, if anybody was a stalker, it was it was the parents and not and not Keenan. Well, I mean, uh, I think, you know, it's, it is possible. She, you know, she's sneaking out when the weather's nicer out her window and trying to cover her tracks by, you know, her mom says, oh, Morgan, did you hear that something was going on with your window last night? And she said, oh, yeah, someone was throwing a rock at it. It's fine. Mm. And then her mom goes, what? <laughs> Someone's throwing a rock at your window? That no, You know, she snuck out once and it just escalates to this kind of fever mm. pitch of terror. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I guess I don't really think that's true. But, well, you know, there's all kinds of things that are possible. Oh, anyway, back to, back to the, uh, the credibility of Tony and her, and her claims. Um, there is Jared, the grandson, which, which is, remember, he ran and checked Keenan's shoes? Under the uh, the guise of, hey, do you want me to mow your lawn or something like that is what he did? Uh-huh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And uh, so he's, he identifies uh, the footprint as being from a Netney's shoe. Well, maybe. And then he follows the first car that drives by to see what shoes the driver is wearing. Okay, so maybe he plans on, on checking everybody in the whole subdivision. I don't know. 
and Eureka, he lucks out. Some it's pair, serious footwork. Yeah, it's a pair. Yeah, it's, yeah, a little Sherlock Holmes there. Uh, it turns out to be a pair of a, a pair of purple etnies. This is uh, I don't know if Jared said this or not, but this is what Tony in her diary said. He said, "Purple etnies." Uh, and I checked their website, and I don't see any purple shoes in their catalog. They Today, have... hi. Sorry, I just I'm just saying. That's that's a pair of purple etnies. Oh, they really do. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Well, they're mostly black. They are mostly black, but I don't. I doesn't. I remember those shoes. I remember them being cool at that time. Mm. Um, so I guess it wouldn't really surprise me so much if, you know, Jared, it was a small town and, you know, he was like, oh, that guy's got cool shoes. What kind of shoes are those? Oh, they're purple. They're Etnies. And then he saw us, uh, you know, for whatever reason. And this is not to say that Keenan was stalking around the house. Yeah. He could have taken a shortcut through the back and left a footprint, but he goes, Oh, you know what? That guy, um, Keenan, he has those cool entities. I sh- I should go see those to see if, Oh, there he is right there. Is he wearing them now? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and, mm. and we don't know how old this kid is at this point. He could be, yeah, he could be 10. He, he could be 16. I'm not really sure. I, okay. Yeah. Let's just say he's a preteen and he gets swept up in, in his, in Tony's, excitement yeah kids do that oh well well, they're they're on the case they're gonna fix it they're gonna solve it and they found the clue i mean yeah yeah. i will just also add that um the soles of etni shoes Mm -hmm. usually say etni and then well no uh um the other thing though is that is that they were pretty popular at the time yeah oh yeah absolutely and i'm not saying that that means that it was keenan's shoes i'm just saying it would not be insane to me to think that somebody had noticed that that one guy has that cool pair of etnies and like Mm -hmm. let's see if he's wearing them right now yeah okay that works except of course we still don't know that was him because oh for sure no no no. yeah Yeah. i totally agree with that yeah yeah uh, back to back to Tony and her claims. Uh, there's the missing driver's license, which you, know, you can totally picture a serial killer taking a driver's license as a souvenir. Oh, souvenirs mm-hmm. are a big thing, yeah. Oh, sure. But the police, uh, the, on this December 2nd, the day of, they searched uh, Tony's car, which Morgan had been in the night before, and they found Morgan's driver's license in there. Oh, and so yet, she just left it in the car. Yeah, MorganIngram.com still claims that the driver's license was taken. The date rape drug thing, uh, they say on there that amitriptyline is a date rape drug in sufficient quantities, but it isn't. Uh, I have heard that if you mix it with alcohol, it can have an effect similar to rohypnol, but Morgan didn't have any alcohol in her system. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I tried to track some stuff down, and the... the... You're on a list now. We'll just say I know. Mm-hmm. I know. No, I, I, did the, in. I did the whole date rape drug thing, and I know I'm on a list, yeah. too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what I'm getting at is I looked up this drug specifically trying to find some stuff, and there's not a lot, and it's it's really... It's inconclusive. It is. It's, it's not as if it's a... It blatantly does this, and if you combine it with this, this, or this, you're going to be knocked out and completely compliant to whoever is with you. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a, a, a very, it's not a clear-cut case at well, all. And le- but let's be fair, that's not necessarily information you want to post on the internet. No, that's but, but you know It's not a how-to what, guide on date rape. But I hate to tell you this, the information I was reading was on a friggin' forum. Yeah. So yeah. the people yeah. who were responsible for trying to control that information cannot control a forum yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. and and just as a warning to anybody you might take our information and uh, run with it Uh, if you combine drugs you know you could actually kill somebody so you might not just be guilty of rape you'll be guilty of murder so just don't do it okay exactly that sounds fair okay sounds like a good call yeah um 
So there's more stolen stuff though. Oh, yeah, besides, the, the, besides the, 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 the driver's the, license, the stolen, the stolen jewelry. Remember that? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So her, her her jewelry was missing. Uh, the the but that that was actually not reported to police until April 2012, months after Morgan had died. Four months. Yeah, four months. Keenan Van Ginkle uh, got into a little trouble with the law. He sold several pieces of gold jewelry at one of those We Buy Gold places. I think it was called Gold for Cash. Mm-hmm. And he was, yeah, whichever one. Yeah, he was arrested on suspicion of receiving stolen property. Uh, and it turns out he had on his person some marijuana and a pipe, which uh, possession of either one of those was illegal. Not anymore, but then it Not was. Not in Colorado God, that's anymore. That's got to be a bummer. I know, I know. He's looking at that like right two now. two years <laughs> later, <laughs> I'm still dealing with a rap for getting caught with pot. Uh-huh. And now, now everybody's got it. I know, <sighs> I know. He, uh, the stolen property charges were dropped, uh, but the pot charges stuck, of course. After Tony learned of this, she emailed Detective Glassmeyer and told him that Morgan's jewelry was missing. And it had been missing since the night of the murder. And she later revised this, and, and this is via email. She revised this to, well, some of the jewelry was gone, but they weren't sure which pieces had been taken. And Glassbauer told her that they couldn't investigate the crime unless the Ingrams filed a police report on the stolen property. And he encouraged them to, to file a report on that. Uh, well, the Ingrams never did. However, their website still claims that jewelry was stolen. They... They had it really hard for him. Like he was their their only suspect. Yeah. And they were throwing everything they could at him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not I, I understand the the last viable known responsible party we've got to put everything into getting justice. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little misdirected, but I understand yeah. why they were going after him so hard. Uh, I understand it too, but and and I'll get into this a little, a little bit later. But uh, it's just totally it totally is out of hand. Oh I mean, yes, yeah, I, I would really I would agree. It it, yeah. it got pretty wild. Uh, yeah, it's it still is out there. I mean, I mean that website is still out there with all of its many accusations. Uh, another reason that to question Tony's integrity here, uh, which is Brooke Brooke Harris, so the girlfriend, yeah, Keenan's girlfriend. I keep wanting to say Keegan, and I used to have done it myself. I used to work with a guy named Keegan, and so it's like you know, and so I never worked with a guy named Keenan. Got it. At least you didn't work with Keanu. Yeah, Keanu. You know the kitten in the movie. What do you mean? At least you didn't. Because because if if you worked in that movie, you would go to with a kitten that looked like that. You'd go to stupid lengths to do whatever you had to for that cute kitten. What you guys look at me like you haven't seen that movie? Of course, I've seen that movie. Okay, I have not seen that movie. What movie is that? (laughs) Keanu. Keanu. Ah, uh, we'll talk. About Joe, later. let's keep going. Okay. Oh my God! All right. I don't uh, want to get you sidetracked with cats. Okay, that's a good point. Uh, so remember, for the first part of our saga, the only suspect in in the Ingrams thing was Keenan. Mm-hmm. That was it. But then it turned out that Keenan had been out of state for three days in September and seven days in November. I think he was on a hunting trip at one point. Yeah, they're, they're, I think they were both hunting trips. Okay. And, uh, and of course, some of the incidents occurred during those time periods. And, and then also, when they checked his work records, well, uh, he was on the job when a lot of these incidents occurred, too. So that kind of would have, you'd think that would rule him out as a suspect. But then... Uh, Logically. Yeah, Tony and Steve decided, well, that must mean that Brooke is in on the conspiracy, too. Okay. Yeah, even though... And so they started accusing Brooke also of being in on this, and even though they had broken up, I think, by this time. Nonetheless, yeah, so it's crazy. But uh, 
And as far as the claim that the police did not investigate, there was a lot of follow-up by police. Uh, you know, long after Morgan's death, they, they did continue to pursue the possibility of a po- uh, maybe a murder. And certainly, Tony was all over the sheriff's office, and there was tons of contact, and it's all in the reports, all the emails, all the phone conversations, pushing the, the idea that Keenan was a serial killer, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, in March 2012, Glassmeyer brought Keenan in for another interview. This time he lied to him. Glassmeyer lied. He said that some of the uh, some of the driveway video had been sent to an independent lab, and they had enhanced it. Again, doing the, the enhancement BS, and and uh, they definitely showed Keenan being in Morgan's driveway. Uh, he also had a, a lab report from the same lab, you know, which, which said the same thing, essentially. Totally doctored. Yeah, totally doctored. He showed it to Keenan. He probably made it in Word. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he probably did. And and Keenan still just basically didn't, according to the, the police reports, didn't change his story at all. He says, I have not been on their property, period. I don't care what that camera says. And and I think he convinced Glassmeyer, actually. Uh, Glassmeyer did ask him if he'd be willing to submit to a computer voice stress analyzer. Keenan said that he would, uh, and I don't know if that even exists. That might have been another made-up BS thing. But he, you know, so Glassmeyer was actually on the case. As far as the Ingrams thinking that he was not, didn't do any investigation, I mean, he took their chief suspect, who, by the way, there was not a shred of evidence against, and still start, ha- sort of ran ha- through the process. Yeah, he hammered on him a little bit to try to get him to confess, and uh, he didn't do it. Um, uh, so that, but but nonetheless, the, uh, the the claim that the police didn't investigate is still on their website. Didn't hold water, but yeah, and, and you know, and obviously the police did investigate. Uh, there's another another thing that really raises my eyebrows, which is this: um, there was an incident. I think it took place um, on September 5th, and I mentioned it before. The Tony was standing in the foyer of their house. And somebody and, ran across. And somebody ran across. He right. saw through the windows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He turned. He turned and ran. Uh, he ran around the north side of the house. And uh, her husband didn't see this person, even though he ran to the back of the house to try to see him through the sliding glass doors in the back of the house. Now, what's interesting about this is that it wasn't that long before this that they had installed uh, a camera above the porch of the house in the front mm-hmm. of the house, mm-hmm. and this guy was running across. And this guy was not caught on film. I'm, that's kind of mysterious to me. So talking, uh, which ab- makes me believe. Which, oh yeah. Excuse me for interrupting. No, no, no. I, I was interrupting your, my phone makes, girl. But but it makes me wonder. Uh, obviously, Steve uh, didn't see the guy. She could have totally made the entire thing up. I mean, I I don't know, but certainly he should have been caught on the camera if he'd run across their driveway and around the side of the house. At least one camera, and that didn't happen, did it? No. And here's the other thing: is that you will see on the internet. Uh, I know. Devin and I were chatting about this earlier, is the path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a berm behind the, the cul-de-sac uh-huh. that separates it from the property that's next door, which I think is a horse farm. And it's got some yeah. roads and pastures in it. And if you go uh, northeast from the house, it'll take you to the intersection of County Road 100. And is it Interstate 82? I think it is. I can't remember now off the top of my head. I'm too lazy to go look. It's Highway 82. Highway 82. Highway 82. Okay, Okay, well, at that intersection of Highway 82 and and County Road 100, there's a bus stop. Uh Uh-huh. And so there's a couple of things that make me think of what this this supposed um, stalker path could be is it could be somebody who doesn't have a car who says, well, let's see. 
I can walk the mile and a half around going along the roads. Or I can cut across the fields. Or I can cut across the properties that are in this cul-de-sac and the field mm-hmm. and, and, you know, cut my trip in half. Sure. Which is going to explain why if some if people are doing that, one or more people are doing that on a regular basis, that's going to wear a path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, never mind. Yeah. It could be a game path because it could be game that animals that are setting off their motion detectors... Um, but the other thing that I was wondering about, somebody walking their dog. Yeah. I mean, it, it's entirely, I mean, I brought this up before. I've mentioned dog several times in this, but it's entirely possible that somebody on that cul-de-sac has a dog. The backyards uh. aren't fenced in. So somebody could be walking along and then they cut through the neighborhoods. They walk this, you know, what sucks about having a dog picking up poop. Yeah. You know, what's awesome about a field you don't have to pick up anything. Sure. So you just, you cut through the berm, you walk your dog out there, the dog does its business, dog or dogs, then you and, walk then back. You, and then you walk yeah. back. And you, you know, let's say that it's rural enough that whoever's doing this is not walking their dog on a leash. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're walking their path every time. Their dogs are following them. Their dogs are running all over the property of the cul-de-sac, setting off motion detectors and cameras like mad. Yeah. I mean, like, I've just made these up because I was looking at it, but these are two very plausible reasons for the path and possibly for the motion detectors being triggered. Because motion detectors are not a straight beam. They throw a very wide arc. Yeah. My neighbor had one on his shed that in my yard I could wave and it would set it off. Mm -hmm. And it was pointed in his yard only. So, I mean, these things are not perfect. They're not fallible. Or... Infallible. Excuse me. So I just, there's a lot of things. Yeah. Oh, no. I I just wonder. There's there's all sorts of reasons. I mean, I I know that, uh, you know, people cut through and across other people's property all the time. It's just not that unusual. Uh, And especially when it's kind of a ruralish area. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Yeah. So back to another reason to to wonder about Tony's credibility here is I, I talked to Detective Glassmeyer actually just this morning. And we had, it was a pretty brief chat. Uh, he's left the sheriff's office. He's now Garfield County Coroner. And he wouldn't comment on the case because he thinks it would be inappropriate for him to do it since he's no longer with the sheriff's department. Understandable. But he did say an interesting thing because um, I asked him. My first question was, did the stalking even happen? Because I said, I'm really doubting that it even did. And he said, yeah, there are a lot of people who doubt it. But other than that, that's all I got out of him. But um, yeah. well, that's not an admission of anything from no, him. No, it's not. He he wouldn't say he wouldn't tell me what his personal opinion was. Which, as a professional, I totally respect. Yeah, me but too. but I, I respect that too. But he did say that a lot of people do doubt it, <laughs> and Carl, so I personally suspect that he probably kind of doubts it. Uh, I I don't want to put words in his mouth. Nor no, do I. No, nor do I. But I I suspect that a lot of people doubt it. <laughs> but there's there's one last thing about this that really kind of raises my eyebrows. Um, and that is the security cameras. Well, we talked about their poor quality. Poor, yeah, their poor quality and their lack of findings. Yeah, yeah, the fact that they never got a single frame of usable evidence out of any of those cameras, and they put they had a bunch of them out there, which really makes you wonder why they didn't upgrade to better quality cameras. In fact, it, to me, that's kind of unfathomable that they didn't do this. Why did they not upgrade to better cameras? Uh, aren't they expensive? Sure. They are, but I will... So I have a a family member who has security cameras Mm. around their house. 
Yeah. And got them based on the recommendation of somebody mm-hmm. and doesn't totally understand what they're using. Mm-hmm. So may not understand, let's say, that this family member, that, I, that my family member, is capturing things and can't figure out what the problem is, may not comprehend that the issue is not with whoever is running around that they're trying to capture being so good, but in fact, the quality of the camera. Yeah. I mean, so why so, not get a better camera? But it, it may not comprehend that that is the problem is the point that I'm making here, Joe. May not realize mm. that the problem is you have a crap camera. Yeah. So they don't, they don't even think that I need to replace it with a better one because they just don't realize the problem. But here's the deal. If you're concerned about the issue and you really want to know who your perp is, then you're going to be asking people. You'll be asking the cops. You'll be asking the people at the store you bought the camera from. You're going to be asking people, yeah. how do I get a good image? Uh, I, I'm you not know, disagreeing you with you. Yes, yeah, the, I mean, if, they, if they wanted to go to a, a just amazing length, they should have ringed the house in eye, infrared cameras and mm-hmm. night vision cameras and just recorded 24-7 and invested in some crazy setup. But yeah. th- they didn't do that. But I, I'm not going to fault them because I personally don't know that they didn't realize where their issue in getting an image of this person was. They always mm-hmm. said, this guy is so wily, he is so good at what he's doing that he is evading not only us, he's evading the police. So again, yes. I, I'm not gonna. I, I, that's why I'm not. I'm not saying that that's mm. a, a, something to, to hold to as strongly as, as you. Uh, you know, I, I still think you know, especially uh, as far as the expense of the whole thing. I mean, these people lived in a, a large, nice, modern house. They drove. They drove a Land Rover. Christ's sakes, not a cheap, not a cheap ride. And so I don't think money was that much of an object for them. And I really would have thought that if identifying the perp was that high on their priority list. I really think they would have gotten better equipment. They would have consulted somebody who could have guided them into how to get better images. At, at this point, we're going yeah. into what if land, and yeah, I think we're almost true. sounding a little judgy. So I think we need to we yeah. need to move from it's, that. It's true that no, I'm just saying I find it a little puzzling. Yeah, we can I, leave I, it at I, that. So, uh, you guys have any more thoughts on this this mystery? Any, no. Yeah. Anybody want to cues? No. I mean, I think it's just sad. Yeah, well, I, it's, it's very I unfortunate. It's totally sad the yeah. whole situation. Yeah, I, it is. I, I, and it's especially for the, I mean, for the family, obviously, for Morgan, and also for Keenan, who I, you know, obviously, I, I think, very unfairly been accused. I, of, I think that of, uh, some pretty I'm, heinous crimes. I'm still of the opinion that I think that something was building that was not recognized or diagnosed with Morgan, and that, and that's mm. what. Whether this was done intentional, whether it was an intentional or unintentional, I I think that something was happening with her and she didn't know what was going on. I mean, that's just just based on what I've seen in the behavior and the the things. It's just an observation, but that's where I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But anyway, uh, it's it's unfortunate, but, uh, you know. Hopefully, everybody sooner or later will get their acts together and, uh, you know, people will live happily ever after. In the meantime, it's still crazy on the Internet. Um, So you guys probably want to know some interesting facts about us. Well, let me start from the top. Uh, We have a website. (laughs) I don't know if you know this or not. We have a website. Can you believe it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's called thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. We got a .com, not a .net. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, we're we're big time. Uh, We we also can be found on iTunes. 
Uh, and so if you find us there on iTunes, of course, subscribe, uh, comment, leave us a rating. We like that, yeah, especially a good rating. You can stream us from anywhere, and there's also Google Play, of course. Uh, and again, with those, subscribe, rate us, review us, and obviously the better the review, the better we like you. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So if you want us to like you, yeah. Uh, That's yeah. your terrible and man, Joe. Otherwise, we'll accuse you of murder. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. we're also on Facebook. On Facebook, we're Thinking Sideways, of course, and we have a group, and we also have a page. Mm-hmm. So join the group. Lots and lots of fun out there. We're on Twitter, or I should say the Twitter, uh, where we are Thinking Sideways without that G. Uh, we have a subreddit also called Thinking Sideways, believe it or not. Lots of activity going on out there, at least I think. I don't know. Maybe I haven't checked it in a long time. What's going on? With Reddit? Yeah. Stuff. Stuff? Yep. And things. Okay. I'll get out there and check it. Of course, I say that every week, don't I? <laughs> yeah. We, we leave that alone. I will do that. Yeah, someday. Uh, and we have an email, believe it or not. There's this fancy new thing called email. So to reach us by this fancy new thing, it's thinking sideways podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and then last of all, of course, there is Patreon, uh, whereas if you want to support the show, you can go out and go to patreon.com slash thinking sideways, and uh, you can pledge a certain amount, 50 cents an episode, a buck an episode. Please be aware that it's the contribution is every time an episode runs, except for special shorts and things like that. We don't and, charge for And those. thankfully, you know, yeah. of course, you can set a limit for how mm-hmm. much you want to spend a month. There's also the PayPal. And we have a PayPal. And, of course, you can go to, when we're on our website, uh, we have merch out there if you want to support us by buying merch. And you could have a really cool Thinking Sideways mug or a T-shirt, something like that. Uh, other than that, that's about it. Do you guys have any last thoughts on this week's murder mystery? No. I don't. Yeah, me neither. I think it's pretty open and shut. So that's about it. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you all out there on the Internet. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.